Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Ministries podcast. This message was given by Jimmy Tarrant on the subject of sexual purity and pornography. It was recorded at the Men's Connecting Point at Brookwood Church on January 16th, 2017. Our hope and our prayer is that this is really helpful for you along your journey. Good evening, man. Listen, I want to tell you, ever since I was contacted last fall and asked to come back and and share with you tonight, I've been real excited. Uh, One of the small groups that Tom leads uh, had me in a couple of years ago, as he mentioned. I'll be sharing very similar information to what I shared that night, which is a part of my testimony. And guys, I know we just prayed but I never feel comfortable speaking a word from God without praying myself before we begin. So would you bow together with me for just a moment? Father, my prayer tonight is very simple, that your Holy Spirit would guide my words and that your Holy Spirit would, read, would lead the reception of those words so that we gain not only understanding, but we move past that to a step of faith and actually implement what you teach us in our lives every day. So as your word says, help us not to just be hearers of the word, but help us to be doers of the word. And I pray that as we leave here tonight, that the lives of the men gathered here tonight will be impacted for all eternity. That their walk with Christ will be closer. And if they don't have a walk with Christ and they don't know him, that tonight they would come to know him and realize the importance of having that personal relationship with Jesus Christ and the power and the purpose and the direction it gives to our lives. It's in Christ's name that we pray, amen. Tonight I wanna share with you uh, a portion of my testimony. Uh, For those who may have already read, it does have to do with the issue of pornography. A struggle I had in my life for over 20 years of my ministry. And let me just say, as we begin tonight, God set me free from that addiction 12 years ago this past November, 12 years ago. But guys, I want to share with you a quick statistic. The most recent reliable survey of any significance was a little over, it's coming up on two years ago now. But the survey said out of all the men who were surveyed, the ones who acknowledged that they were believers in Jesus Christ, they said they were Christians, 66% of them acknowledged that they were involved in pornography at least once a month on the internet. You say, well, man, once a month? That don't seem like much. Let me ask you this. If you're married, go home tonight and ask your wife if she minds you being unfaithful once a month. Let me know how that goes. Because when you get down to it, pornography is infidelity of the mind, of the eyes, and of the heart, even though it may not be a physical relationship with another person. It involves our minds, our eyes, and our hearts. And I was sharing with Dr. Mike, uh, as we were talking earlier before supper tonight, one of the things I thank God for, and I want to give her a shout out right now, is my wife of 32 years who patiently prayed for me once she discovered my addiction for almost 20 years before I found freedom and 
stood by my side and was faithful and prayed for me patiently until God did a work in my life that needed to take place. I've been blessed with a very godly woman. So having said that, I want to say this. If there are 66% of our men involved on a, in pornography on a regular basis, and we talk about seeing revival in our nation, we talk about seeing things turned around morally, I don't think it will happen anywhere outside the church until 66% of men in the church deal with that one issue. It's not the only moral issue out there. I know there are other addictions. I know there are many other things, but I don't know anything that's more prevalent in the church right now that has to be addressed than pornography. But you know what? And, and I know Brookwood is a wonderful church. I, I have followed this church from its very beginnings. A good friend of mine, Joe Weehunt, was on staff here from the beginning. I know he was gone for a while and he's back now. And Joe and I have been friends since high school. So I, I will share with one of your uh, other pastors tonight that I actually visited with Brookwood back in the days of meeting in the community center down in Malden, and that goes way back. And I followed the growth of this church, and one of the things I love about Brookwood Church is the openness to deal with issues. But you know what? When you mention that word pornography, sometimes guys just shut down immediately. I want to ask you to do something right now. If you're physically able, would you please stand up for just a moment? And I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm about to say to you. I do a lot of the beginnings of my men's meeting like this because this is such a, an emotionally charged subject and there's so much shame and so much of that taboo kind of atmosphere around it. This is what I want to do as we begin. I want everyone in this room to be totally honest with me. I'm not talking about your current situation, but ever, if for any time in your life, you have viewed pornography in a magazine, in a movie, on the internet, or in any other form, if you've ever viewed pornography in your life, remain standing, everybody else sit down. Now look around. What happened tonight is what happens most of the places I speak to men. Nobody sits down. I've had like one or two sit down in the last 10 years. Now be seated. And the reason I do that is simply this, man. You might not be addicted to pornography. You not, might not be involved in it at all right now, but you do understand the temptation. We all understand that temptation. And guys, because of that, we got to get past the point that we can't talk about these kind of issues and deal with them up front. There's a verse of scripture in the Old Testament. It's 2 Chronicles 7, 14, it says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. You know, a lot of times we think, if the politicians would get saved, if the immoral people in the society would get saved, that our country would turn around. You know what the Bible says? In the Old Testament, his people were the Israelites. In the New Testament, it's his church, it's us. And he says, if we want to see our land healed, it's got to start right here with us. I was like a lot of young men in, in my generation. My first exposure to pornography came when, actually I was younger than 10, and a friend of mine across the street found uh, a pornographic magazine laying by the road one day. 
It was a little muddy and tattered, but we would, uh, anybody have a clubhouse in their backyard growing up? Or a tree house or somewhere where you hung out with the guys? Okay, we would meet at the clubhouse and we would get that magazine and we, we would look through it. And I tell you what, at eight, nine years old, we didn't even fully understand some of the pictures we were looking at. But it was fascinating. It, and, and you know what? One of the keys or one of the draws of pornography, you might say, is just the curiosity factor. If you don't believe it, you don't have to go to a porn site. But do, do you ever look at the headlines of the news that pop up when you go to your email? I use Yahoo Mail, and, and, and there's like five stories. At least one of those five stories, every time it pops up, is something sexually oriented. Not pornographic necessarily, but what you have to understand this, it's like a slippery slope. You go to that sexually oriented picture, and then it wants you to click on something, and it just goes downhill from there. It might be simple, you know, I get tired of hearing the name, but Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian's latest bikini shot, you know, and they want you to click on that, and there'll be something on the side of that. It'll make you click a little further. Guys, let me tell you this. Curiosity draws a lot of men into pornography. At eight years old, that's really what drew me in, just the unknown. One of the things that God has taught me, and I'm getting ahead a little bit here, but I just want to say it, so I'll make sure to get it in. One of the things that leads into pornography use is curiosity. And one of the things God taught me is I don't have to see and know about everything. It's okay to have some unknown things in my life. I don't need to know what everybody else is saying. I don't need to know what everybody else looks like in a swimsuit. That really doesn't matter. And you know what? Since that experience 12 years ago, He's helped me gain a new sense of perspective on how to deal with those things. And I'll be sharing that with you tonight. So eight years old, exposed to pornography for the first time. And, and after that, it was very limited because back in the, in the late 60s, if you wanted to get pornographic materials, there wasn't an internet that you could just sit down and type in secret. You had to go public and go into a store and buy something. So just the embarrassment of getting caught doing that kept a lot of us from getting in pornography early on. But then I got off to college. I got to Clemson. I'm a Clemson grad. By the way, they played football last Monday night or something. But, uh, <laughs> but at Clemson, like most universities in the dorms, there was an abundance of pornography in the men's dorm. It was readily available. So I'd start viewing some more. But where my addiction really accelerated was my senior year at Clemson. And I actually moved off campus and rented and an off-campus three-bedroom house with two other friends. They both were from the upstate. They went home every weekend. I'd already felt called into ministry, and I was already working as a youth minister at a church up in Seneca, South Carolina. And when my two buddies would go home on Friday afternoon, and one of their bedrooms was one of those big, we call them locker boxes, trunks. You know, it has that little key to get it in. All of them lock, but the bottom line is this, they all have the same key, so it doesn't matter whether you lock them or not. And I took the key from my trunk, went into his bedroom one day after he left, and sure enough, when I opened up that trunk, it was that deep in pornographic magazines. And it became my habitual habit of every Friday afternoon when they would leave and go home for the weekend, I would open that trunk and, 
and look through those magazines. Usually they'd leave around noon and I'd look at them probably for four or five hours. And the reason I would stop after four or five hours was it was time to go work at church. Did that most of that senior year at Clemson. I'd already met my wife. I loved her, but that addiction didn't go away just because I had a lady in my life I loved. I even tried to talk to her about it. I shared with her some of my struggle, but I'll be honest with you. My wife was very sheltered growing up, and I don't think she even understood some of the things I was telling her before we got married. And I had it in my mind that the minute we got married, all that desire would go away because I would have her. But what happened was after we got married and I had her, it was still there. I remember going to rent an X-rated movie for the first time at a, at a video store. It was after we got married. I'd moved to Louisville, Kentucky. Guess why I was in Louisville? Anybody got a guess? Seminary. Moved to seminary and rented my first pornographic movie right after I started seminary. And some of the younger guys may not relate to this as much, but this was back in the days of VHS tapes. And they were, all the regular tapes were out in the main room. And then behind the, the desk there, there was a curtain. And that was the room where all the adult material was stored. And I'd gone into the local movie rental place several times after we moved to Louisville and was too nervous to go back in that room. And finally one day I just said, why not? And I walked in there and I was honestly blown away by the amount of what I know now beyond any shadow of a doubt, it was just absolute filth. I was shocked by that and I was shocked by one other thing. And that was how many of my fellow seminary students were back in that room. I rented something, took it home, and I told my wife that night, I said, hey, let's check this out. She let me know in a hurry she wasn't interested. From time to time, we were working different work schedules. She'd be gone when I was home to study, and she would be, you know, at home when I was out working. So our schedules didn't always parallel, and there would be a few times I would sneak off and rent a movie, watch it, and then carry it back before she got home from work. And secretly going off and viewing things like that whenever I could. Now, let me tell you, at that time, I might have looked at pornography four or five times a year. But you know what? I was addicted. Because it wasn't about the frequency. The frequency was this. It was every time I had a chance and thought I wouldn't get caught. We finished up seminary. I still struggled with it. We moved to the lower part of South Carolina. Got a church down there. And not long after we were there, that new technology that was coming around at the time, the internet came out. And we were far enough out in the country, it took a couple of years for it to get out into the area we were in. And I honestly was sitting there wondering, when's it gonna get here? When's it gonna get here? And my whole purpose for wanting to get it was to see what I could look at on the internet. And all I'll tell you is this, guys. Once that came down our road and we hooked up to the internet, it was all downhill from there. 
started out the first night I'll never forget. We talk about addictions and the adrenaline rushes you get when you get involved in them and the anticipation. I literally sat at my keyboard that night. I closed the door to the room where our computer was. My wife was watching TV and I literally broke out in a cold sweat. And as I went to type something into the search engine for the first time, my hands are literally trembling over the keys. And I typed something in and I hit search and all these porn sites popped up. Clicked on one, I went, wow. Clicked on another one, wow. And the whole time I'm listening to hear my wife's footsteps coming anywhere near so I could shut it down in a hurry. And I clicked and I clicked and I clicked. Little side note, you know the scariest part of that that night? I didn't know a lot about a computer. I just learned to use the internet. And I didn't realize every time I clicked that I had 20 windows open across the bottom of that screen. <laughs> so I start trying to close and every time I close something, something else popped up. And then I hear my wife coming down the hall and I'm sitting there trying to click and you know, I'm at about to the point of just pull the wire out of the wall, you know, get this thing off. And she didn't discover it for a while, but eventually she did. She was upset. And I'd make promises I'll never do it again. I'd pray to God, promise to never do it again. I'd ask forgiveness. I'd wallow in sorrow. We moved on to another church over in the Gaffney area a few years later, still struggling big time. Finally moved back here to Greenville in 2001. Still struggling. It got so bad, guys, that there were nights I would get on the internet when my wife was ready to go to bed and she'd lay down. I said, I'd be there in a minute, going to check my email. And my only goal that night was to lay back down before she woke up to the alarm the next morning. I would literally be up all night, lay down 15 minutes before the alarm went off so she hopefully wouldn't know what I'd been doing. It was so bad when we lived in the lower part of the state. We had church families who would be nice enough to loan us their beach house or their condo at the beach. We were just 45 minutes from Myrtle Beach and they had, several of them had houses and stuff there. Sadly, I knew which of my members viewed pornography too because when I would get to their house, I would search out and see if they had any. Any and every opportunity I would have to view pornography, I was going to do it. And most of the time, I was on some church staffs as associate minister, but most of the time I was senior pastor, and I was doing that junk during the week and then standing up on Sunday morning and preaching about the grace and forgiveness and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Guys, I want you to know this, particularly at our time in Gaffney, we served a church that was growing. People coming to know Christ under my ministry. But I had this secret, dark, hidden thing in my life that I want you to know this, even as I'm watching people come to know Christ and the church grow, I had no joy in my heart. Because I knew down deep God was doing it in spite of me instead of with me as his partner. 
And it got so bad sometimes that my prayers went not from God forgive me, God make me stop, God help me, to God if I'm not gonna find freedom, I'd rather you take my life and take it now. I'd rather die than to go through this earthly hell of living this double life in front of people who respect the person they think I am and knowing what I'm doing during the week and even on Saturday nights into early Sunday morning and then getting up and and trying to minister to these people. They have no idea. God, I can't handle that. And Lord, I've tried to stop. I've asked you to make me stop. I've asked you to take the temptation away. And it seems like you're not answering any of those prayers. And he wasn't. You know why? Because I was praying the wrong thing. Let me tell you this. If you have a temptation in your life, God will not take it away from you. It's part of the fallen world we live in. You're always gonna face temptation. And Satan's smart enough, if he finds one that you'll fall for, he, he likes running that same temptation in front of you over and over again. I, I, I believe Satan got his training at Georgia Tech. <laughs> you ever watch Georgia Tech play football? Option right, option left, option right, option left. They got one play. You know why they run it? Because it works. Very few people can stop the option, so they run that one play all night long against teams and whoop them. And Satan knows from men that we're wired in such a way that our eyes are very receptive to the beauty of the female body. And he goes, I might not be able to get them to steal. I might not be able to get them to do drugs or I might not be able to get them to drink. But I tell you what, most of them, I get them to look. And he kept hitting me with that temptation. God, make it stop. God, remove the temptation. God's not gonna make you stop either, by the way. He gave you a free will. You were created in his image. He gives you the ability to make a decision of whether you wanna do right or wrong. So he's not gonna make you do it. Good news is this. God will never override your free will, but the great news is this. Satan can't take it away from you. What does that mean? It means no matter how how far I've fallen into a sin, Because of the way I'm created in God's image, I always have the option of turning back to him. Satan can't take that away. Making the choice to turn back to God. So here I am praying all these prayers and I just got called to a new church up in North Carolina and my first responsibility was to go to the North Carolina Baptist Convention even before I preached the first message as a a pastor. And one night during that convention, Ann Graham Lotz, Billy Graham's wife, was speaking. And she knew there were a lot of ministers out there. And she said, a lot of you ministers are are struggling with issues that you need to deal with so you can help other people. She said, some of you are, are addicted to substance. Some of you are dishonest and greedy and maybe even stealing. Some of you are dealing with pornography. Some of you are dealing with physical affairs. And she just went down the list. And she said, I'll tell you what all of you need to do if you're dealing with any of this before you go to bed tonight. She said, what you need to do is go back and wherever you're staying, a hotel, your home, a friend's home or whatever, before you get in bed tonight, you get on your knees by your bed and you repent of what you're doing. I went, God, I've been in seminary. I've been preaching for years. I have repented of other things. I understand what, 
repentance is. But I've never repented my pornography use. I went months sometimes without turning on a, a computer and going to a, an illicit site. But in the back of my mind, I knew someday I'd be back. There was just that little thing in the back of my head that knew it wasn't gone. And I realized later what I'd been doing is I was asking God to make a decision for me that he wanted to make, me to make and then he would give me support in making that decision. I wanted him to do it. He said, no, the one thing you can do is you can turn around. And once you turn your back on it, I've got your back, but you've got to really turn your back because what I've been doing all those times, I might leave the computer off for two or three months, I was stepping back. And my eyes, mentally, emotionally, never left pornography. I was thinking about it all the time, still wondering about it all the time. And I stepped back, but I didn't turn around. Guys, it's just like this. I'm diabetic now. You put a plate full of cookies in front of me on the table, good chance if I sit there at the table, sooner or later, I'm going to get one of those cookies. On the other hand, if you take them off the table and you put them back in storage in the kitchen, I'm not going to be focused on them anymore. I'm not going to be thinking about them all the time. And God reminded me again the importance of repentance being an act of turning. And I got on my knees that night and I said, God, I've never repented. And repentance is present tense. Understand that. It's not future tense. It's right now. I said, God, right here, right now, I'm turning my back on pornography. And with your help, I'm going to keep my back turned, but I know I can only do it with your help. But I'm making my part of the decision tonight and exercising my free will to turn my back on pornography. God, I ask for your help to stand firm in that decision. Amen. I got up off my knees. I grabbed my cell phone. I called back home to my wife who was not with me. And when she answered the phone, I said, sweetheart, I just want to tell you something. It's over. She said, what are you talking about? I said, the pornography, it's over. All I can tell you is there's something different that happened tonight in my heart and life that's unlike all the other times I tried to quit on my own. And with God's help, this is over forever. And like I shared with you earlier, it has been for the last 12 years. And you might say, well, Jimmy, aren't you, aren't you still tempted? Oh, yeah, I'm tempted. But you know what? There's another verse of scripture I, I want to share with you real quick, but it talks about that. It says, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Guys, what, what I want you to understand is this. I had sorrow for years. Sorrow to the point of asking God to take my life, but I never took that step of really repenting and turning away from it. And that temptation will continue to come. Let me share with you one other verse. It says this, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. 
after my experience with finding my freedom from pornography, about six years after that, I completed a book, and Tom mentioned it in my introduction, called Solitary Confinement. Because guys, in those years, when I was dealing with my addiction, that's what I felt like. I felt like, number one, I was the only preacher, certainly, that was doing that. Turns out pastors are just as guilty as other Christian men. But I didn't feel like I could talk to anybody. There was one or two people over a 20-year period that I had enough confidence in to talk to them at all. And though my wife knew about it with the emotional turmoil that I'd put her through, I certainly couldn't sit down and really talk to her about it at that time. And God put a guy in my life when I moved back to Greenville who would listen to me, who I could share my struggle with, who never once condemned me. He knew I knew it was wrong, so he didn't have to tell me that again. That part, he knew I understood well. But what he did was he loved me and encouraged me. And through his grace, I came to a deeper understanding of God's grace. Guys, I want to share with you what I call a game plan to help you deal with, if you're dealing with porn, this will definitely help you with porn. If you're dealing with other addictions, I believe it'll help you there. But I think what we need to do is you see the last part of that verse that says, when you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. The bottom line is this, we need to be looking for a way out before the temptation comes. I have a friend in law enforcement and he told me one day, he said, you know, when I go into a restaurant and sit down, he said, the first thing I do is I get a chair where nobody can sit behind me. So I've got full view of the room. He said, the second thing I do is I locate some easy exits if I need to get out of here, if there was a threat coming through the door. I also try to locate a place of defense where I could hide and help defend the people in this room. There was like three or four things he immediately did when he sat down in the restaurant. And you know what's amazing to me about that? He does that when he sits down. He doesn't wait for the threat to get there to have his plan together. Now, guys, if you deal with sexual temptation, and we all do it at some degree or level, this is what you need to understand. Have your game plan, your plan of escape ready before the temptation comes because it will come. First thing is this, when I am tempted, I always use what I call a prayer of continued repentance. The bottom line is this, I had a free will decision to make 12 years ago. I made it to repent. Just within the next 24 hours, I was tempted to look back. And when I did, I said, Lord, I've already repented of the pornography use. I'm being attempted again. And right here, right now in this minute, I'm making the same decision to continue to turn my back on pornography give me the strength I need. And you know what? In my heart and mind, sometimes I would have to pray that more than once. But if I would pray it once, maybe twice, maybe three times, as long as I kept that attitude in my heart for a few minutes, the Holy Spirit, and I believe this very firmly, the Holy Spirit came and took away the desire to look at it once again. But it was maintaining an attitude of continued repentance, Realizing it started 12 years ago, but it continues each day when the temptations come. Second thing I want to encourage you to do is this. Find a 24-7 friend. I told you I had a guy I could tell anything. He was hoping to come with me tonight, but he wasn't able to make it. 
I'll tell you his name. His name is Scotty Hammett. He coaches at Berea High School. We knew each other in high school. We got separated for years. But when I moved back to Greenville, we reconnected as friends. And on the most deep and, and personal level you could imagine, we were able to share our hearts with one another. And his friendship and his encouragement and his prayers for me made a huge difference in my finding my freedom. If you're dealing with a temptation, learn to flee the situation. If you're on a computer and you're being tempted so great that you feel like you can't turn away, turn the computer off. You say, well, I might lose the work. I, I tell you what, it's worth losing work if you can stay free from an addiction. First thing you do is when you know you're tempted, you get away from it. You cut the cell phone off. You cut the computer off and just get physically away from where you're drawn in. Fourth thing is this. When you're dealing with sexual sin, learn to pray for those you once lusted for. Let me tell you this. If you see a beautiful woman physically present in front of you, if you see the picture of one, if you see the movie of one, I challenge you, if you're tempted to lust, before you allow that thought to take hold, pray for them. Pray for their salvation. And if they're saved, pray for their walk with Christ. Because I tell you this, it is hard to lust for someone you are going before the throne of the Almighty on behalf of. Pray for them. God convicted me of that again. I'd been in the habit of doing it and was doing it, but I, I say convicted me. He really spoke to my heart again several years ago. I was doing some bivocational work, working on a new church start in the northern part of our county. And while I was doing that, I was teaching at Berea High School and also doing some coaching. And every day when I left Traveler's Rest, I'd drive by the back gate of Furman University. And guys, let me tell you, when it was springtime, you didn't have any trouble figuring out what season it was. Because these girls would come out with shorts up to here and halter tops up to here and these pretty little co-eds are jogging everywhere. So I did a lot of praying in the springtime, I'll just tell you that. And one day I'd passed a, a beautiful young lady and I just prayed for her. And God spoke, it was not audible, but it was a very clear distinct message and this is what he said to me and it just broke my heart to think of what I had done over the years he said Jimmy have you ever thought of how selfish it is for a Christian man to spend 30 seconds in lustful fantasies about a girl and not think one time about where she will spend all eternity Guys, get the perspective of that a minute. If we're honest, we can look at a woman and we can remove her clothes in our mind and have her in bed and have a sexual act done in less than 60 seconds because we, our minds can just go crazy with lust. How selfish is that to think about that that's not even real and not even think about the reality that that person you're looking at might go to hell forever. That's a selfish heart. So next time you're tempted to lust, I challenge you to pray and realize that just like you, whoever you might be lusting after was created in the image of God and they're precious in his sight. Final thing is this. 
this, this sounds crazy and I'm not a physician by any stretch of the mind, but I've been told and I found it true in my own life that if you will get out and exercise, it stimulates productions of chemicals in our brain that give us a sense of peace and a sense of satisfaction that are very similar to the chemicals that are produced when we respond to an addiction. So get out and get some exercise. Burn up some of that extra energy and allow the God-given process of how this body's put together to give you a sense of, of satisfaction and relief that God designed us to have. So real quickly, in summary again, the five things I encourage you to do. Pray and keep an attitude of continued repentance. Find a close friend you confide in. Flee the situation immediately. Pray for those that may, and if you're not dealing, if you're dealing with, with drugs or alcohol, pray for the people you used to supply you or you did stuff with. Instead of seeking them out for those purposes, start to pray for those people. And then finally, make sure to get some physical activity involved to burn up some of that energy. I, the, the big thing about this is get your plan together before temptation and then implement it as a knee-jerk reaction. Y'all all had physicals, hadn't you, where the doctor hits your knee? Do you have to stop and think, I need to put my leg in there? No. Instant reflex, correct? By the way, that reminds me, I helped coach football at Berea, but one of my baseball players came in one day and I taught math. He came into my math class. He said, he was all excited. Coach Tanner, Coach Tanner. He said, I have my physical today. I said, really? He said, uh, and I'm passed. I'm ready to start practicing with the team now. I said, man, that's great. He said, I want to ask you something though. He said, why is it when the doctor hits your knee, your, your, your leg flies up like that? I said, well, it's just a reflex. Shows everything's connected and responding right. I said, it's just a normal thing. And then it just popped in my head. I don't know why I said this to the poor boy. I said, that's not your only reflex, you know. He said, really? I said, yeah, you got one in your neck. I said, if you hit your head just right, your neck will do the same thing. He said, really? And when I walked away and turned my back on that poor little boy, he was still sitting there beating himself in the head, <laughs> trying to find that reflex. But guys, don't contemplate temptation. Respond to it with a plan to get away from it and get the help from God that you need. I tell guys that I counsel one-on-one -on -one about pornography use. If you think about it more than once, you're probably going to do it. If you think about it once and implement your game plan to flee away from it, you've got a high rate of success. And God's blessed me with that success for 12 years, and I want to see him bless other men with the same thing. But you've got to have that plan ready and be ready to go. And guys, one of the things, the first steps you have to take is to break out of your isolation. Every time I share my testimony, I feel a little freer. I feel a little stronger. And that helps me in my faith. You don't have to hide anymore. You know, one of the greatest feelings in the world is when you know that nobody can discover anything because you've already shared it in testimony of what you have done. And more than that, what God has done to set you free from that. I lived in fear for 20 years that somebody would find out. Now I go all over the place telling people what happened. I don't have to fear that anymore. I don't have to fear discovery. And it's a great feeling. But guys, you know what keeps us in isolation? It's real simple. You, you see if you can't relate to this. You and I normally 
care more about what that man sitting next to us tonight thinks about us than what God in heaven knows about us. And I won't want to deal with my issues because I'm afraid of what you think or what somebody else would think or how somebody else might treat us. And we go around hiding all this stuff. Solitary confinement. Not going to tell anybody. And the first big step is to be able to open up and share that with someone else. But we put on this, this, this false image. You remember that first verse we read, if my people called by my name? You know what our greatest sin as a church in America is today? We got a new God. It's not big cars or lots of money or great jobs. You know what our biggest idol, our biggest God in church is today? Our spiritual image. We will protect that spiritual image at all costs. I'll keep hiding and going through my addiction as long as nobody else finds out. And I'm going to hide it. Not going to let you know what's really going on. My dad took me fishing right down here, not far from here in Simpsonville when I was growing up. Little farm pond. We fished all day and we had a stringer full of catfish. I mean, there must have been 40 or 50 of those things on that stringer. We took them home to the suburbs of Greenville up here, skinned those things out in the backyard. And if you've ever cleaned a catfish, it is not an easy task, is it? Got to pull the skin off one at a time, cut their heads off, and then you got the good meat to eat. And we've been out in the backyard for two hours cleaning fish. It's been pitch dark. We're using the backyard light to see. And the only way we could get rid of those heads and skins in the suburbs was to dig a hole in the ground. And if you've ever tried to dig in our red mud, you know what that's like. Dreaded that worse than anything. And on that night, he had all the fish in the bag, plastic bag to go in the freezer. He had a galvanized bucket. We threw all the skins and heads in. And when we got through cleaning, he said, come on, son, follow me, carry the bucket. And I followed him in the house. He put the catfish up in the freezer. He looked at me, he said, come on with me. And I picked up the bucket and we walked down the hallway to the bathroom. My dad reached in that bucket, he picked up a catfish head, he dropped it in the toilet, he hit the handle and gone. Six years old, I'm going, man, this is fun, you know? So we get rid of them one at a time, one at a time, we're all the way down almost to the end. I assure you, my mother was already asleep, we'd never gotten the back door. But you know, we're finishing up so we can go to bed and we dropped the last one in, it was a little bit bigger than the rest of them and you guessed it, it swirled around, it disappeared just out of sight. We tried a plunger. We tried a coat hanger. Nothing would budge that thing. My dad said, we'll go to bed. In the morning, uh, we'll get it out. He said, if you have to go to the bathroom tonight, come into our bedroom, use our bedroom bath. He said, but just don't flush this one again. Okay, dad. So the next morning, I get up, have a little breakfast, and my little buddy from across the street is over at my house playing. We're in my back bedroom down from the hall. And we get out, come down the hallway to go outside and, and my dad's got the bathroom door open and he's got this great idea of how to get that catfish head out. And he has rigged up a, a fishing line with a sinker and a hook. He has dropped it into the toilet and flushed it down what little bit it would go and he's determined he's gonna cook that catfish head and pull it back out. My dad is a little bit lucky. He did it. So he's sitting there as we walk down the hallway with the door open and he's sitting there with his Zebco 33 cranking with the rod bent double. And my little buddy looked in there and his eyes got about that big. 
Just as we stopped and he was in awe standing at the door, the catfish head come popping out of the toilet on the end of my dad's line. So we go on down the hallway and when we get to the back door, instead of turning right to go to the backyard, he runs hard as he can left home. I mean, he didn't say a word. He just shot home. And about a minute later, the phone rang. It was his mother. My mother answered, Miss Taryn. Yes, ma'am. I know my son has a very vivid imagination. <laughs> but he just came home and told me he saw your husband fishing in your toilet. She said, it didn't worry me too bad until he said he saw him catch one. <laughs> Man, they never came to another fish fry after that. I don't understand why. I guess these days you could call that organic or something. You know, I'd probably charge a premium. But anyway, the only reason I tell you that story is this. What that little boy thought he saw my dad doing was completely different from what he was really doing. He wasn't fishing. He was, he was doing a weird plumbing job. <laughs> but let me ask you this. When people see you here at Brookwood on Sunday morning, are they seeing the real you? Or are they just seeing the smile you put on for that service, for that time of worship? We want to have a few minutes of table discussion tonight. And I know I ran a little late, but th these questions are important. And I want you to take a few minutes with us tonight and look at it. This is the first question I want you to talk about around your table. Do you have anything in your life that is causing you to live in isolation? In other words, is there something you're trying to hide that causes you to withdraw emotionally from family and friends? Guys, you are welcome to continue this discussion question for a few minutes, but if your table's kind of had a time to share about this, this is the next question when you finish that one. Simply this. What fear is motivating you to stay in isolation? In other words, what are you afraid of that's keeping you from opening up and sharing that with the people who you care about and the people who care about you? What do you fear? Guys, there's a third question. It's not on the slide, but it's on your uh, agenda for tonight. And, and once you get through the first two, what can you do to have true repentance of this? Where have you turned your back completely on the issue? What do you need to do to find that freedom? I want to leave you with two little final thoughts. When temptation comes your way, I want to give you what I, for me has become a new definition of sin. Sin is simply this. Sin is choosing less than the best that God has to offer. And when you're tempted by something you used to think was fun that you might want to go back to, ask yourself a simple question. Do I want to settle for this instead of waiting for the best that God wants to give me? Because anything he tells you to stay away from is gonna rob you of what he wants to give you, which is far better than anything we could dream or imagine. I'll just tell you my own life, I didn't know what I was being robbed of with pornography. I didn't know what it was like to have a fully intimate relationship with my wife. And I tell you this, 
anytime there is any pop-up on my screen and I turn away from it again, I also think, I don't want to settle for that when God has given me a much greater gift, not in fantasy, but in reality. Don't choose less than the best that God has to offer. My final word tonight would be this. I want to encourage you to do what Ann Graham Lotz challenged us to do 12, a little over 12 years ago. If there's anything keeping you in isolation tonight, you go home and get on your knees before God in a quiet place, in your closet, whatever you need to do, in your car before you get out. Get by yourself and repent. And know that as long as you hold that attitude of repentance and depend upon the power of God to help you do that, you will have freedom. Because true repentance unleashes the power of God in our lives. So I encourage you, make those very specific, real decisions before you close your eyes to sleep tonight. Seek out the love and support of another brother in Christ who can walk with you. Flee that temptation. Pray for those you are tempted with or by. And be physically active so a lot of those chemicals in our bodies can be released to encourage us to do the right thing. There's a couple of slides I've got here at the end I want to show you real quick. Number one, this is my personal contact information. If I could ever encourage you in any way, you feel free to call me, email me. All of this is private. It goes directly to me. Nobody, no secretary or anyone else is going to see it. If you use those contacts there, it comes straight to me. Um, I have some business cards from my church back there. It has most of this information. It's got a different email, but either email will work. But if you want to jot that down, uh, my website, Manhood Ministries, I am not a, a computer guru, and it doesn't get updated often, but it gives an overview of my ministry. And when I have the time, it's updated with events I speak at. But I ask you to pray for me as I move forward in this men's ministry. Uh, you can help me with that in a couple of ways. Number one, I've got a, a Facebook page for my book, Solitary Confinement. If you go and like that, your friends will see you liked it and they might click and see what it is. It might help them. I have one for Manhood Ministries. If you could like that page tonight, I would really appreciate it. It just helps me get the word out. And then the third thing is this. If you know of another church or a men's group that would be open to hearing a testimony like I shared with you tonight, I appreciate you helping me network with other churches and, and men's group. But I thank you, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I thank you for the privilege of sharing the story of what Jesus has done in the life of Jimmy Tarrant. Because this isn't a story about me, it's a story about him. And that's the real story we can enjoy sharing. It's what Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, did in each of our individual lives. And as we leave tonight, my final wish for you is this. Blessings of freedom. God bless you and thank you for letting me share with you tonight. Wow, what a powerful message. If you are encouraged by this, you can learn more about our men's ministry and other adult ministries at Brookwood by visiting brookwoodchurch.org forward slash adults or on the Brookwood Church app. 
Thanks for listening and have a great week.